Three weeks ago, Andrew spoke about the body, that as a church, we are the body of Christ, that we have a function to bring the presence of Christ into the world. The week after that, I spoke about the fact that we all play different parts in the body. So we're all different. Um, we bring our different gifts, our different upbringings, our different cultures, our different values. Everything comes together to represent the wholeness of Christ. And then last week, Anne spoke about how we are called to different ministries within the church, different callings in the church. She spoke, she spoke a little bit about how we hear the voice of God for that. Because it's all very well if we're an arm, but if we're uh, trying to be an eye, we need God to tell us, you're doing the wrong thing, try and be an arm, if you know what I mean. So do go and check out those talks. Makes no sense when I say it about like that. Uh, the focus of this year, really, as a church, is to focus on a couple of things. Firstly, it's this idea of discipleship, this idea that our church here at St. Peter's isn't just an event on Sunday, it's something we do every day. And that's what Foundations really is all about on Wednesday. And thank you so much for those of you that came. We've got four more weeks together. And the idea there is we are trying to put, as we've just sung there, um, our relationship with Jesus, becoming like him, doing the stuff he did as the bedrock, as the foundation of our faith. And then everything else on top of that, church, small groups, mission, all those other things which are amazing, flow out of that relationship with Jesus. We're trying to shift it around a little bit. So that's what we're doing on Wednesdays. And then other than that, we are focusing this year on being ambitiously local. You've heard us talk about this before. Really, the idea behind that is that we don't want to just keep getting bigger and bigger as a church and attracting people from all over southeast London. We want to see heaven come where we live, where we walk the streets, where we go to the shops with our neighbours, exactly where we are in southeast London. So therefore, as a church, we want to be generous in giving away generous in planting and grafting churches. And so we're going to be talking, I'm going to be talking this week a little bit about um, planting and grafting and highlighting a couple of churches. And then next week, Canal's going to be talking about being ambitiously local here in Broccoli and what it looks like for, for heaven to come in Broccoli. But before I carry on, I'm just going to invite Steve and Mike and Amy now. If you could give these guys a round of applause. So... Mike, Amy, if you just stand there, this is Steve. Steve is the warden at Holy Trinity, uh, Sydenham and Forest Hill. Uh, Steve, do you want to just say how long you've been there and then tell us a little bit about the relationship between St. Peter's and HT? Yeah, well, I've been at Holy Trinity probably 14 years, been uh, warden for about 12, so that's one of the things you get to do. Um, we've gone through quite a few phases. We have a very... Uh, going to say the word ambitious that's probably not the right word but uh, we have a vision which is a growth vision it's in the last few years over the last two or three leaders that we've had we have developed a strong growth vision that we should be growing in the local community uh, and spreading the spirit around and uh, when our last leader left about a year over a year ago um, what happens when you have a vacancy, as they like to call it, the church often stands still or goes down. Uh, but because Ben and the team here uh, came in and really supported us very strongly, the church continued to grow in its spirit and in its, in its direction. Um, and that was initially uh, about just helping us get through that period but then it's developed into a much closer relationship where 
we are working really closely together and are going on a journey now of really feeling the spirit moving us uh, in Forest Hill and Sydenham. Steve, thank you so much. And the congregation have been absolutely amazing in terms of welcoming us in. It's been a pleasure and partnering you. And part of what we're going to be doing with HT is in the new year, we're going to be grafting into there. So anybody who lives in Forest Hill or Sydenham, we're going to ask you guys to pray about whether the Holy Spirit might be leading you to go and support what God is doing there. Absolutely no pressure. Everything we do is in response to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. So if you still feel called to come here, that's absolutely fine. But we're going to be asking the Spirit to speak to us clearly about that. And we've got a bit of an advanced team who have gone down there. Um, this is Mike and Amy. Many of you know and love them. They've been with us here a long time at St. Peter's. And these guys, Mike's training for ordination. So he's currently at Ordnand and he's training at St. Melitus to become a vicar. These guys have gone ahead and... Mike is now the Ordnan there, and Aim is helping lead there at HT. And it's beautiful the way that God is starting to use them. So can you guys just tell us one thing you're excited about at HT? Yeah, HT is real local church. We've had such a warm welcome. We're loving getting to know people more and more. And um, it's really exciting being part of a church who wants to see local people come to know Jesus for themselves. And it's really exciting to be closely part of that vision, really. A church that's got... Yeah, just the same as Steve was saying, it's, it's been amazing to sort of kind of have a church that's got such an amazing vision for the future that really does want to see incredible change take place, but at the same time has this past, that, which means that it has deep connections into the local community, has deep like local schools, all these things, all these opportunities that means it's kind of poised and ready to be able to make, take advantage of that and actually um, see something incredible happen. And yeah, as Amy said, it's been lovely to, to be there, to be a part of that community, to be welcomed and yeah, to see what God's going to do next. So. Brilliant, thank you. And these guys have been incredible in terms of the way they've responded to what the spirits asked them to. I think I only mentioned it a few months ago, didn't I, before Mike went into training. And they were like, yeah, we'll go. That'll be really good fun. So they've been an incredible blessing for us as well and a beautiful link there with HT. Can I just pray for these guys? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about plants and grafting. Does anyone want to come up and lay a hand on them? Let's pray for HT. Let's pray for Sydenham, Forest Hill. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Steve and for Mike and for Amy, and thank you for all you're doing in Forest Hill and in Sydenham. Thank you for the way that your kingdom is coming. Thank you for the way in which the mission of God has been at work for so, so many years, for centuries in that place. Thank you that we get to join in now. And Holy Spirit, you are asking us to be a part of this next chapter, and we're excited. So Lord, would you fill these guys with your presence, with your power, with your spirit. I pray that you would give them uh, kingdom ideas, kingdom eyesight to see all that you are doing so that they can join in with your mission. And Lord, I pray that you bless our relationship with Steve and the PCC there and the original church there. I pray that we would continue to become really good friends. And Lord, thank you that we get to do this mission together. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's give these guys a massive round of applause. Lovely. So that's one of the things we're doing. Second thing we're doing is we're actually also grafting a church into Kidbrook, which is over in Blackheath, Ray. And many of you know, will know Dom and Alice. Dom is also training for ministry, and him and Alice are going to go over there and help lead that church. The vicar is retiring next week. But also Chris Gall, who you all know and love, is going over there to be the magic hands, uh, and the vicar over there to do communion. They've got a morning communion service. And so we're sending those guys a bit, again, like an advice 
advance party, and then at some point next year, we're going to graft into there. So anybody that lives over that way, again, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to uh, speak to us as to whether we're called to go and join in what, with what God is doing there. And then also we've got Owen here. Owen, give us a wave. Owen and Liz live in Charlton. Owen is also training for ministry. And we're going to be partnering with a beautiful church there led by a lovely lady called Liz, who's the vicar there. And Owen and Liz are starting to pray into what God might be doing in Charlton. And so those are three of the opportunities. I'll be honest, there's probably about five more bubbling under the surface in southeast London. So in a year's time, it might just be me and Hanau left here, but we're going to have fun together and you guys are going to have a fun time out there. But the truth is, when we talk about planting and grafting and giving away, it's a little bit scary, isn't it? It does actually take a sacrifice from us. And at the end of this talk, I'm actually going to give us time to wait on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask God whether he's calling us even just in the short term to support. But we're also going to ask God if he is asking us to give financially to some of the work. And I'll outline a little bit of that later. But if I'm honest with you, this feels like a stretch for us. It's a massive stretch. I came back uh, after the summer, and we'd have a, we had a lovely time off in August, and coming back to getting my head back into gear to this idea of grafting in two places, potentially a third, thinking about the all, other, all the other kind of emails and getting in about that sort of thing, I very quickly felt overwhelmed about what God was asking us to do. I don't feel qualified to do it. I don't feel experienced enough to do it. We've only been here four years. This is our first church. You might have noticed we have no idea what we're doing, but we're having fun. So the idea that we're then going to do and help others do the same that's happened here at St. Peter's seems a little bit overwhelming. And there's a dark side to this as well. There's a dark side that says every now and again, Ben, Hanau, why don't you just build a really big church here in Broccoli? Why don't you just keep, you got the momentum, just keep adding more and more people from Southeast London, suck them all in and build a bigger church, add some services. We want to resist that dark side. We want to say that's not what God's calling us to do here. It is, God is calling some churches to do that and there's a benefit to do that, but it's not what God's calling us to do here at St. Peter's. And so we want to sacrificially give away. We want to be generous in the way that we give away, particularly in Southeast London, because any church planting book would probably say don't do it next door. If you're going to plant and graft, don't do it next door because they're more people might go. Anyway, we are responding to what we feel like God's saying. We had a prophetic word in June just before um, from a guy. We were on a uh, church leaders retreat with a group called Table, which is the church leaders that have come out of King's Cross Church. So you probably won't know this, but four or five years ago, King's Cross Church sent us with a small group, as did a church called St. Mary's, and gave us 25K because this church only had a half stipend for the vicar, and that paid for the other half of our salary. And so we went away with the leaders, and as part of the retreat, they had this prophetic guy zoom in. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of thing before, but it's, it's wacky, but it's fun. Anyway, this prophetic guy zoomed in, and he went around all the church leaders, and he prophesied over them. And what he said to Hanel and I is, he said, I feel like Isaiah 54 too is relevant for you right now. It says this, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And when I heard that, I thought, brilliant, we'll do that in a year. We'll work towards that. Let's strengthen here a little bit first, and then we'll go forward and do that. When we got back, it felt pretty obvious that God was asking us to start doing that now. 
that we're not to wait for another year, but we'll start to just start giving away from what we already have. And as I said, I was starting to feel overwhelmed about this, and it's not all about me, obviously. It's about all of us. I was feeling overwhelmed. I'm just letting you know because I'm here and I've got the mic. And we were here in an evening service, and a guy called Mark Aldridge spoke, and he was actually speaking about healing. Nothing to do with this sort of thing. Halfway through his talk, he stopped, and he said, Ben, I have a prophetic word for you and Hanau and this church. And I see a credit card and I feel like God is asking you to spend the credit and that he is going to pay back in full and above everything that you need in order to be able to do what God is asking you to do here at St. Peter's. And of course, when I heard that word, any church leader that hears, hears that kind of word, you're like, brilliant, spend the reserves. Let's just throw money at the city. It doesn't mean money. Obviously, money is a part of it, but it's resources, isn't it? It's people. We're sending our best. Like Mike and Amy are incredible. They've been such a blessing to us here at St. Peter's. And now they're going to do something else. Chris, I love Chris. Chris and Sarah were here originally with us. They've been with us for 10, 12 years. We know them incredibly well. They're really close friends. They're going to be going on to help. Dom and Alice have been here from the beginning. We're sending our best, and it's time to do it. And what God is saying is that as we spend in that way, he is going to meet the balance. He's going to give us everything we need in order to be able to do what he's calling us to do. So I don't know how you feel about grafting or planting. Some of you, it might not even be on your radar. You might not think, I mean, what is planting and grafting? Strange words. Sounds like some sort of garden analogy. What's this got to do with church? Some of you have just arrived and you're like, I've only just got here. Now you're trying to send me somewhere else. Some of you are exhausted and you're like, the idea of doing something like this sounds like a lot of hard work. Can we just wait a little bit? I'm tired. Some of you are thinking after the last three years we've had, do we really have to go and do something else? Let's just relax a bit and let's recover from what what's been going on, and I get it. It's uncomfortable, it's risky, and there's a sacrifice involved, but I don't feel like we would be being obedient to God unless we started stepping out into the things that he's asking us to do. And here's what I want to briefly share this morning. We were made to do this. We were created to give away and to be sent out. Here's our reading for this morning. It's Genesis 1. And it's from verse 26. Sorry, I didn't give you this on the screen. But how about you put, let's pull our phones out. Genesis 1, 26, because I'll keep going back to it. And it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. And then if you wouldn't mind skipping over to Genesis 3 from verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat uh, fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, just a couple of things I want to pull out of that passage. Keep it open on your phone. We'll go back to it. First is that as a church here, in fact, as Christians in general, I would argue humanity, we are created to be sent 
out. We are created to be called out of what we are enjoying here, out into the world and take it there. It says in 28 of chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and on and on. And so what God is saying to the Mary is take what you are enjoying here in the garden of Eden, which is perfect. They get to walk with God in the cool of the evening. They have full access to his presence. It's like heaven on earth. And he says, take what you are enjoying here out of the Garden of Eden and into the world, which is a place of chaos. Sometimes we think with the creation narrative that the whole of the world was created perfect. It wasn't. Eden was perfect, and then beyond the Garden of Eden was chaos. And Adam and Eve were called out of the garden into the chaos to bring order. It's the same throughout. This is just a narrative that runs throughout the Bible. Israel were called to be a light to the nations. Jesus sends out the 12 and then he sends out the 72 and he says, go for me. I'm going to give you authority to do the same stuff out there that I've shown you how to do. Matthew 28, we're told to make disciples of all nations to go out into the world. In John 20, which is the parallel sending out, he says, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says to his disciples, so I am sending you. We were created to be sent out. We're supposed to take what we're enjoying here out into the world and bring heaven on earth. So how does that apply? Well, easy application for us as a church, this applies for all of us individually. In our workplaces, in our homes, with our friends, with our colleagues, we're supposed to take our relationship with Jesus, the bedrock of our life, all that we enjoy in his presence and his love and take it out to our friends and our colleagues and share the love and the light of Jesus with everyone we come to so that they may also have fullness of life. But as a church, as a body here, we are called to take what we are enjoying here at St. Peter's, which is God just doing some beautiful things among us. God doing beautiful things in Brooklyn, bringing incredible leaders and people to this church, and we're supposed to take it out there, locally into Brockley, so that we see heaven come in Brockley, but also southeast London, because we don't all live in Brockley. We go to shops in different places. We live in different streets beyond Brockley. You're supposed to be bringing the kingdom there as well. And so how are we going to do that here as a church? We're just going to be generous in planting and grafting. We're just going to keep doing it. We'll get to a certain size, we'll send out, and we'll just keep building, keep sending out, keep building, keep sending out. That is what it means to fill the earth, to increase in number. It doesn't mean that we become a mega church, bigger and bigger and bigger. It means that we are blessed so that we can give. We're blessed so we can give, and it's, a, it's just a principle in the Bible that is again and again as we're blessed, we give out. As we're blessed, we give out. So we've been created to be called out. Now let me say this, and this is why we read Genesis 3. We have an enemy who is trying to stop us from living out that principle in our lives and in this church. Let me read that a little bit again. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, and she said that. And then the serpent says, you will not certainly die. Is that a double negative? You will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good. And it, you shouldn't criticize the Bible. It's perfect. Um, what is, what's the application of this? This taps into two things that are innate in human nature that's going to stop us from doing what God is calling us to do. The first temptation is to make life about ourselves, to make it all about us. See, the thing about Adam and Eve is they had all of the trees of the garden to enjoy. And somebody, the devil, got in their head and said, you have all of this, but what about that? God's given you that, 
but actually he's withholding something from you. Why don't you go for that? And then they step out and they go for more. God says, why don't you take what you're enjoying in here out into the chaos and bless them with it, whereas the enemy says, God has not blessed you fully in here. Look to this, which is one of the boundaries that God has put in place so as to create the created order so he is Lord of our lives and we don't become Lord of our lives. And the devil says, well, why don't you go for that? You need more. And really, it gets to the heart of what sin is. Sin is just a life turned in on itself. It's making it all about ourselves. What does that look like for us as a church? It looks like us just making it all about this church. Not even worrying about broccoli, but just building again and just creating a beautiful atmosphere as a church and making sure that we're blessed as a result. So the devil will tap into this constant temptation that we have to make life about ourselves, and we need to resist it. And I'll talk more about that in a second. The second thing that comes out there in Genesis 3 is this propensity, and it's so funny how these two things play out throughout the rest of the Bible, but also in our lives. But it's the propensity to doubt that we are not, that we are enough. It's this constant temptation to think we're just not good enough. There's something else we need in order to be able to be qualified. Look at what the devil says there. He says, you won't die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God. What's the tragedy of that? They were created like God, in God's image and God's likeness. The devil's overplaying his hand here, but look how they fall for it. They think, well, we need this in order to be qualified to do that. And so here's the truth. And this is where we keep coming back to the Genesis 1 again and again. The promises of God over our lives. The truth is this. We have all we need and we are more than enough. You have all that you need and you are more than enough to live out your call of God on your life. How do we know that? Well, we know it from the famous verse there. God says, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. So he created them in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We have all we need in that statement there. And we are more than enough. What do I mean by that? Well, in order to start to really unpack how profound that is, we have to know that there are loads of other creation myths at the time, creation accounts of the ancient Near Eastern religions. And in the other creation accounts, there are loads of gods at play. And the way things are created generally are because the gods are fighting each other. There's war that breaks out and things get created in the chaos. Now, Genesis 1 was written as a polemic to those other ancient Near Eastern creation narratives. It's almost like you think it's like this, but let me tell you what the one true God of Israel who's revealed himself to us thinks about those creation narratives, but also the truth. And the truth is that there is one God and God created things in order. And the pinnacle of the created order is humankind. And he emphasizes it there. Some of the most written about verses in the entire Bible. You, me, we are made in the image and in the likeness of God. No other creation narrative has that story. We are like 
God because we're made in his image and likeness. Now, that doesn't just mean that we look a little bit like God. It's way more profound than that because if you look at those other creation narratives, what they used to do is they used to create these wooden and stone idols that they would create and they would feed it and they would give it water and they believed that they would birth these idols and this idol would embody the very power and the presence of the God in whose image it was made. And so what they did was they put these stone and wood idols all about other people's kingdoms. So they were conquering those kingdoms. It was almost like what God is trying to say here in terms of filling the earth, but they were fill the earth with these idols. Now, the tragedy of these idols is they were mute and they were dumb and they were absolutely incapable of living out their calling. They were just stone and wooden statues. And the Genesis, writer of Genesis is saying here, look, humanity, you are created in the image and likeness of God. What that means is like those wood and stone idols, you, your purpose is to carry his power and presence. But guess what? I'm going to breathe my life into you so that you are able to do what you're called to do. That means that every single one of us here carries God's power and presence everywhere we go, whether we know it or not. You go down to the shops, you are carrying the power and the presence of God. When you go into work, you're carrying God's power and the presence. When you speak with friends and you're down the pub or you're socializing, you're carrying God's power and God's presence. You have all you need and you are more than enough to live out your calling. What's your calling? To fill the earth with the presence of God. Here we are. The presence of God capable of filling everything in every way. Remember Ephesians? If we can just begin to believe the promises over our life and know how much he has given us through Jesus Christ, how much more are we going to see the kingdom come everywhere we go? And we see this trace throughout the Bible. Israel is supposed to be a light. Light is associated with who? God. In him there is no darkness whatsoever. Jesus reminds us who we are. He gave the 12 and the 72 and in the great commission in Matthew, what did he give them? He gave them authority. Belongs to God and God alone. John 20, it says that he breathed his spirit on them. That takes us right back to Genesis 1. What's he trying to do there? He's saying, because of me, I am recreating you in your original image and likeness to take my power and presence out into the earth. And he breathes on them. And it even says there in that little line, those whom you forgive will be forgiven and those who you do not forgive will not be forgiven. Now, everybody panics about that verse because they're like, what? Christians are able to forgive and not forgive. Don't worry about that. What he's saying, there is you are now like God again. You carry my power and you carry my presence. That is profound. That is how we are going to live out our callings on life to fill everything in every way with the presence of God. Obviously, we are totally dependent on the person of Jesus for this task. Let me just read this, 1 Peter 2, 3. It says this, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the only way we have this is because Jesus' death on the cross where he stayed in our place, all of the reasons why God's presence and power left us in the first place has been restored to us because of the perfection of Jesus uh, has received, we have received, he says, a faith as precious as ours. And then he says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, for our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate, listen to this, participate in the divine nature. That's Genesis 1, again and again and again. The threads go throughout the whole of the New Testament, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
So what are we supposed to do about this? Well, how do we step into this is probably the better question. Well, to be honest, the answer is there again in 1 Peter. It says from verse 5, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in, in increasing measure, the fullness of God filling us in every way so that we can fill everything else, then, get this, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Who here wants to be ineffective and unproductive? Not me. I don't want to be ineffective. It, listen, you can be a Christian. You can be filled to fullness with the presence of God. You can be recreated in the image and likeness of God. But you can still be ineffective and unproductive. Think about that for a while. We have to choose to make every effort, he says, to step into what we're called to do. He says this a little bit later. Therefore, in verse 10, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This isn't a gospel by works. We don't work for this sort of stuff. This is us responding to what Jesus has done on the cross and his love shed for us and poured into us by the power of his spirit and then choosing to step out in faith faith into all that he has called us to do. And guess what? That step, that's the risk. That's the bit that feels uncomfortable. That's the bit that's a sacrifice. And that's the bit that I'm asking us to do here as a church now as we go into this next year. So in a moment, um, we're going to wait on the spirit and we're going to ask God if he's calling us to go and help one of these churches. There'll be some of us here who are called to help in the initial stages. There'll be some of us here who are called to stay here for a bit and then go later. There'll be some of us here who are called to wait until somewhere near you actually starts up. I'm telling you, there's going to be one near you at some point, the rate this is going. Or there'll be some of us here who are just called to stay at St. Peter's because that's what God's asking us to do. So we're going to do that in a second. But before we do that, we do gift days twice a year. And I'm so sorry to tag this at the end of such a fun talk, but we also have to do a gift day today. Now, the thing is, this doesn't just take our best. We're not just sending Mike and Amy and Chris and Dom and Alice to these different things and Owen and Liz when they go to Charlton. This also takes resources. It takes effort. It's going to cost us here as a congregation, and it's also going to cost us financially. And so there's a big financial cost that we're looking at in order to be able to do what we feel God is calling us to do for this next year with grafting and with planting. Now, one of the costs that we need to meet this year, and I've talked a little bit about this before, and a couple of people actually gave generously to this, so we want to just make sure that we are able to afford it, is that we have far too many children. We don't have too many. We have just the right amount of children here at church. We love them lots. There's over 100 children that come to this church now, and the problem is we've run out of space. So we put them in there, we put them in there. Today, there's a ton of them over in the vicarage, and I'm telling you now, they're traipsing mud and dog poo all throughout the carpet, which I'm going to be clearing up later. So what we want to do is we want to build a, a hut um, in the back of the vicarage garden. We think that's the cheapest way of doing it is to get um, this like little cabin, but it's not little, it's big enough to fit loads of kids in. And in order to be able to do that, it's going to cost us £60,000, which seems a lot, but I'm telling you now, it's a lot cheaper than a building project, which we looked at before, and I never want to go near ever again. It's going to put me off for life. Anyway, we're going to build this cabin. So what I'd love to do in a minute is ask the Holy Spirit, is God um, telling any of us to help contribute? 
contribute towards that. We need to raise probably about another 50 grand, if I'm honest, towards that. Secondly, more related to church planting and grafting, what we have committed to to HT, and we're also committing to to St. James in Kidbrook, is we are going to start giving of our time here towards those church grafts. And so uh, what we're doing is we're meeting with all of our different team members at church, and we're, we're, we're asking them if they can add some hours to their week so as to go and resource those churches. Because every single member on the team here at St. Peter's are already at capacity. In fact, they work well beyond their hours just with what God is doing here at St. Peter's. And so we're going to hopefully be able to either get them support or pay for them to have a few more hours to go, to go then and help with HT. So we send worship leaders every week now to HT. Phil Allen's there this morning. I was there last week, believe it or not. I only know three songs. They got all three of them. And next week, there's going to be someone else from St. Peter's going on. And then in Kidbrook, um, Dom and Alice are obviously there. Chris is there. Those guys were pouring into here. And so we're going to have to balance things out. We're giving away sacrificially. So in a way, there's also another, basically in the budget, we have another 25K in order to be able to support just those two plants. And then next year, we'll have another go. So really, we're looking at, this is where you realize how good my math is, 85K, is that 85, 60 plus 25? 85K that we, we have in the budget, but we haven't met financially this year. And so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, is God asking us to help meet that cost? Now, there's two ways we can do this. If you uh, consider yourself a part of this church and you don't yet give regularly, we'd love you to ask whether God is um, asking you, calling you to give regularly. And this is, we only do this in response to the Holy Spirit. We've done many talks about how we give and what we give and all that kind of stuff. You look online if you want that sort of thing. But this is not a guilt thing. This is a response to the Spirit thing. So if you don't yet give regularly, that is the best way for us to be able to plan what we do. So you can just look at the form which is on your seat and do that in a second. Secondly, for those of us who are already giving regularly, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit, is God asking us to give a one-off gift towards that cabin or towards the staff cost of planting and grafting these two churches? So we can do that in a second. Do you mind just grabbing that sheet from under you? It's just below. This is a pledge form, which means you can fill it out with what you feel like God's asking you to do. You can take a picture of it. You can then go home and then you can have that little panic that we all have when we do stuff like this. And you can cancel it if you want and nobody's going to say anything, absolutely nothing about it. You just need to say, listen, I did that, but actually it's not wise for me to do. I don't feel like God's asked me to do it. Or you can take a picture and you can go home and then you can follow through on it, which is all the details are on there for you to do on the websites. In a moment, um, Luce, do you even know about this? We're going to have a little song. Is that possible? Could we just, have a, could we just make one up? Great, we'll just make up a song. And during that song, um, if you could fill the form out, pens on your chair. Um, it seems like a bit of a strange use of a worship song. I could just sing something else if you want. I know three secular songs as well as three worship songs. I could sing one of those. Or we could have a worship song sung by Lucy, which would be much more fun. Um, but before we do that, can we just wait on the Holy Spirit? Is that okay? You all know how to do this. If you don't, we're just going to wait in silence. And we're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us as to how we're to respond. So two things, am I called to go to one of these graphs? And in addition, am I called to give financially to help with the cabin and then also with what the stretching that we have with our team and the resourcing of it? So let's just shut our eyes so we're not distracted. And Holy Spirit, we recognize this takes sacrifice and this takes us giving out and stepping out. And so... Lord, would you speak to us now? We only want to move in response to what you're asking us to do.
So Lord, come and speak to us. Let's just give a moment of silence. Wonderful. Right. Whilst we sing this song, um, you might want to fill the form out. Some of you might want to take it home and pray about it. That's absolutely fine. That's totally normal. And then you can do it online or bring it back next week. But should we stand? And there should be pens on your chairs.